This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Freedom is all about choices, and while there is only one Jeep brand, you have the freedom to choose from an epic lineup of Jeep brand vehicles. Hit the trails with a versatile classic, the Jeep Gladiator, or experience the wild in style with the sophistication and comfort of the Jeep Grand Cherokee or Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe. Looking for a more immersive experience? Let nature come to you in the open-air Jeep Wrangler or Jeep Wrangler 4xe, America's best-selling plug-in hybrid. Whatever you choose, adventure is just one drive away. Visit Jeep.com for details. Based on 2022 CYQ4 sales, GD Power retail sales data, Jeep is a registered trademark. www.brfcs.com By the fans For the fans Since 1996 Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 66 I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor As part of work on Rovers in the Community we're going to have a couple of podcasts looking at the work of the Rovers Trust over the past few months to get an update on its activities since we last heard from the Trust when Paul took part in podcast number 60 to discuss the Rovers Trust elections. Oliver Jones, the co-chair of the Rovers Trust, will be joining us for a later podcast on the broader aspects of Trust activities, but today we're going to be looking at the Rovers Trust application to register Ewood Park as an asset of community value. And Paul is with me in the studio to tell us about that. Hello, Paul. Hello, Wayne. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's good to be over here in uh, the UK. Yeah, well, it's hard to think that it's a year since you were last over here. It just seems to, time seems to go a bit too quickly for people like us. Yeah, yeah. I, well, we can barely remember uh, two weeks ago, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do remember uh, coming over last year quite clearly, quite vividly. Yeah, It's good to see you again anyway. Good, same for you, thank you. Yeah, good. Now, uh, last time you were with us on the podcast, it was uh, in mid-April, just before the elections on May 13th. Uh, at that time, you were the liaison officer. Um, what's the situation now? What's your role with the Trust? Uh, well, my role with the Trust at the moment is, um, my, well, my title is uh, Special Projects. Um, 
mainly because of work commitments, I felt that I wasn't able to stand for election as a committee member, which I would very much like to have done, um, but it just it, it wasn't feasible. Um, I think when you stand for committee, uh, and if you're elected successfully, um, you're taking on a lot of responsibilities, and you're taking on commitments to attend meetings, and, you know, carry out functions, and so on. Um, and the way that my, my working life was at the time, uh, I just didn't see that I would be able to fulfill those commitments. So, um, but because I very much wanted to remain in the trust, I made my, you know, my views clear, really, my feelings clear to the, to the rest of the uh, committee. And um, what I undertook was that if there were projects that particularly interested me, then I'd be very happy to take those on and see them through. But in terms of being able to do sort of the day-to-day -day liaison with supporters direct, I would have to take a stand back from that. Um, and that responsibility lies primarily now with uh, Simon Barnes, the, uh, the, the Trust Secretary. Um, I still have contact with supporters direct as and when I need to for advice on anything that I'm working on, um, particularly the um, asset of community value. Um, but that, that, that's really my role at present, is uh, you know, to, to help with and, and manage any special projects and um, also to lend a hand on a day-to-day -day basis with um, you know, some of the promotion we're trying to do in the community, um, and which I think Oz is going to talk to you about a bit later. But you know, we've been having a stall in the Mall on a Saturday morning and you know, just chatting to fans and so on and, and, and lots of things like that. But, right. but Oz will tell you more about that later on, I'm sure. Good, good. So... Simon Barnes sent out an email a couple of weeks ago to trust members and in it he, he wrote briefly that the trust had applied to the council to register Ewood Park as a, an asset of community value, an ACV. Uh, now, would you like to just run through it uh, with us all and uh, first of all tell us uh, what is a, an, an ACV, a, an, an asset of community value? Yeah, uh, it's a relatively new thing um, and... I'm sure that it's uh, unfamiliar to a lot of people. There have actually been uh, at least there has been at least one pub and possibly a second in the Blackburn area has been designated an asset of community value. Um, so you know some listeners may have read about this in the Lancashire Evening Telegraph. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, yeah, let's try to to explain and try to inform people. Um, in 2011, the Localism Act came into force, which is, I'm not a political person, but I think this is probably a part of sort of, you know, the Conservative parties and David Cameron's you know, big society mm -hmm. thing. And the idea is to try to um, devolve more and put more power into the hands of local communities. Uh, and I'm not trying to make any sort of political point, there, yeah. I think, but yeah. I th as, as I understand it, that's right. you know what what the Localism Act is is all about. Within the Localism Act, uh, there is a provision for what is called the community right to bid, mm -hmm. and the original intention of the community right to bid was to um, allow local communities to perhaps. Uh, uh, purchase a, a pub in a, you know in a village or a, a small shop that was uh, going to be closed down um, and uh, to, to, to give them control of an asset which is of value to the community mm -hmm. yeah 
So if you live in a small village and there's just one shop and it's in danger of being closed down, you know, that shop is a real asset. It might contain the post mm -hmm. office, it, uh, all sorts of things. It could be the only shop for miles. So it really, really is an asset to the community. Mm -hmm. Does, do you, yeah. you follow me on that? Yeah, and with the right to bid, is it the case that it only kicks in when uh, the asset or the, the building or whatever it is comes up for sale or, right, well, it, or is in danger of, of being, uh, I don't know. Right, okay, well, let me, um, I think the first thing to do is perhaps to try to be a bit more, clear about precisely what the, mm. uh, what defines an asset of community yeah, value yeah, okay yeah. because that was that if you if you look it up if you google it these are the sort of things that you're going to come across um, but it's also been shown that um, football grounds football stadium you mm. know can be considered as an asset of community value uh, so I, I just like to try and explain that what is um, the qualifying criteria right. okay and then we can Move okay. a bit further along okay. with that. Yeah. Now, some of this actually, and I, I make no apologies for reading it from my notes, but because some of this comes directly from the Act itself. Right, go okay? ahead. Yeah. Um, so the Act, the Localism Act, describes an asset of community value in this way. A building or other land is an asset of community value if its main use is or has recently been to further the social well-being and social interests of the local community and that it could do so in the future. Okay? Right. So this is this is defining perhaps a village green, yep. a village shop, um, a post office, you know, all yep. sorts of things which have clearly provided um, and fulfilled social mm -hmm. needs within the community. Mm -hmm. And if you're fulfilling a social need within a community, you are um, contributing to its social well-being. And if you can demonstrate that that should continue in the future or would be a benefit to the local community by continuing in the future, mm -hmm. then you're beginning to fulfill these criteria as to what is an asset right. community value. Okay. Am, I, am I making myself That's clear? Enough. clear? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so that that's the main definition. There's a lot of other bits and pieces all mm -hmm. around it, but that that is the main one. So, um, how do we go about having this, you know, mm -hmm. building this, you know, notional building, village green, whatever it happens to be, designated as an asset of community value? Well, you have to prove mm -hmm. that it is. Okay, you have to you have to be able to demonstrate that. Everything that is defined within the uh, the Act applies to the property that, that you're interested in. So if we move this into thinking about what is of prime interest to everybody listening to this podcast, and that is Blackburn Rovers and Ewood Park, okay? Um, any group of individuals, I believe if it's a group of individuals, there must be 19 of them living within the local area or any not-for-profit organisation yeah. within the local area can apply to the local authority, the local council, in this case Blackburn with Darwin, to have um, the land, the building, registered as an asset of community value. And that is what Rovers Trust have done. They have applied to Blackburn with Darwin Council to register Ewood Park as an asset of community value. We can think a little bit about 
how it qualifies, mm-hmm. what its importance, yeah. in, its role is in a, in a little bit, but, but that's mm-hmm. what we've done. Yeah. Um, so, so just to backtrack a little. Yeah. So therefore it doesn't mean that something has to be under immediate threat. No. It's not up for sale. No. Yeah. No, there doesn't need to be any immediate threat. There doesn't need to be any perceived threat in the future. This is about um, protecting the asset, protecting the ground for the benefit mm-hmm. of the Blackburn community. Mm-hmm. Okay, Because Ewood Park has been for more than 125 years, what is it, 125, 130 years, something like that, a prime focus in the community. Yeah. And we believe it's important that it should retain, remain a focus of the community. Mm. Because when you start to think of everything that Blackburn Rovers brings to the, to the, to the town of Blackburn, yeah. and which is an enormous amount, it's why the club is so important in many ways, because of mm. what it brings to, well, I don't mean to be, you know, it's not to be, uh, to decry Blackburn, but it's a small East Lancashire town. And Blackburn Rovers puts Blackburn right up there on the centre stage. So, the only way the Blackman Rovers Football Club can function is within Ewood Park. If Ewood Park was in some way under threat, Blackman Rovers Football Club could not function unless it moved to another ground and so on. But then, you know, we get into all of that stuff, don't mm-hmm. we, about losing the history and you know, yeah. loads and loads of things. So that's why Ewood Park is so important to, to, to retain it for the community. So one makes an application when one puts forward, we put forward something like I think about a 10, 12 page document um, supporting our application and justifying why the football ground meets all the necessary criteria. If that application is successful and we will get the answer around about the middle of October, (coughs) then the Ewood Park is placed on a list of nominated assets and it is on that list for five years if during that five-year period the owners wish to sell the ground they are legally bound to inform the local authority and to inform the body that has applied for the asset of community value status as soon as that um, uh, as soon as one is informed, that starts a clock ticking. And within two months, sorry, I beg your pardon, within six weeks, the uh, the opportunity to invoke the community right to bid comes into play, okay? Right, okay. Because under the uh, the Localism Act, if a building is listed as an asset of the community, it gives the community the opportunity to bid to buy the building or the asset, whatever it might be. It doesn't mean you have it has to be sold to you. Mm-hmm. It gives you the opportunity to bid. And I think we can see why that's so very important because very often, you know, communities are not just talking about the football club here. Mm. Yeah. You know, very often a community will suddenly discover that it's 
village hall is being sold off and they and, and they've got a week to to try and raise some money well it's an impossibility isn't it mm -hmm. you know and it, and if rovers trust suddenly discovered that ewood was about to be sold and we had a, a week or six weeks or you know whatever period of time we wouldn't have a hope of putting together a bid raising the money or or anything mm -hmm. so what, what the community the moment the owners inform the local authority that they they wish to sell this community right to buy kicks in <clears throat> and you have six weeks as rovers trust to inform the local authority and the owners as to whether or not you wish to make a bid make an offer you then have a further four and a half months so you get a total of six months in which to prepare your bid raise the funds etc 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 and you can put forward a you can then put forward a bid in the same way as anybody else who is interested it could be a supermarket chain could be a hotel chain you know could be all sorts of things um, but you, you effectively gain the same status right. and you gain yeah. six months during which mm -hmm. the, it cannot be sold right which okay. allows you the time yeah. to to make all your preparations and try to find the money hmm. you know but it, you there is no obligation on the owners to accept a bid from rovers trust just as there, is, there would be no obligation on them to accept a bid from a supermarket chain or a housing developer hmm. it just gives us the opportunity to make that bid right in the in the case of the village hall, that means that the the local villagers have got six, six months to save their hall. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to say that uh, whoever the developers or whatever are going to sell it to them. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So you might say, well, why on earth bother? Yeah. Why because, on earth bother? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you've gone through all this process of, yeah. uh, of of gaining the asset of community value. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, for five years, the owners have to give you an opportunity to bid if they want yeah. to sell it. And you've got six months grace. And you've got six months grace. Okay. Well, the first thing is that um, it might just be that you could actually raise enough money to make a bid that was such that the owners, not Venkis necessarily, mm, but yeah. whoever the owners happen to be, yeah. find so attractive that um, in actual fact they would rather sell it. Mm -hmm to the trust than to anybody else just because there's more money involved mm. you know that would that that would be a possibility um the other thing is that uh it can and i and i stress the word can okay have an impact on the value of the property because uh, let's um think about you know planning applications and planning restrictions and so on now um, I'm not an expert. I'm a football fan, and I'm an everyday person. You know, like everybody listening to this. Mm. But one of the things that could happen is that the planning officers may actually look at, at, at the property and say, "Well, hang on a minute. This is registered as an asset of community value. Why is it registered as an asset of community value? You know, why is it? You know, what is it about it that was considered so important?" to take this action um, and of course you know uh, that might then mean that the planning authorities 
could take the view that to change the use yeah. of yeah. that building, yeah. that village green, that football ground, should not be allowed. Hmm. So suddenly, if if that's the case, and I do stress this is ifs, buts, yeah. maybes, okay? But if that type of thing happened, and suddenly it wasn't possible to sell a football ground for development, and it had you couldn't get a change of use, well, suddenly you actually have something that is only as valuable as yeah. somebody who wants to play football on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do you... Oh, absolutely. You see where I'm coming absolutely. from? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that that is going to happen mm-hmm. at all. But these are the these are some of the arguments mm-hmm. around yep. why it is a good thing to you know to have the uh, the ground registered as an asset of community value. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, another another thing that it's about really is um, a, a recognition, mm-hmm. a real recognition uh, by the local authority, who after all should have the interests of every member of the community at their heart and that should be their focus okay it's a recognition by that authority of just what that football club means what that football ground means to the local people mm. and that doesn't apply just in blackburn but you know yeah, in oxford in portsmouth in southampton in newcastle liverpool manchester it applies everywhere you know the football club is very very important it is a real focus of the community and by having grounds designated in this way mm. i think it really brings into very sharp focus you know the importance of of, of the ground as the home of the club the importance of the of the club to the community uh, and so on uh, am i making any sense or yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm just saying i mean uh Listed buildings, I don't know if you're familiar with listed buildings, but it, it seems to be uh, on a similar line, but uh, um, m- more related to their, their use usage, how they're used. Um, I don't know the answer to that. Mm. You've got me there completely. Yeah. I mean, if you have a listed building, I happen to live in a conservation mm. area. And um, I mean, there are some aspects of living in a conservation area where, for example, you know, you can't change your windows without yeah. planning permission yeah. that's not what we're talking about that's right yeah. we're not talking about that type yeah. of thing at all mm. um what we're talking about is literally getting a bit of a stay of yeah. execution if you like yeah. giving the community mm. a six-month window of opportunity mm. to prepare and make a bid for yeah. the asset yeah that's all it's about yeah yeah it's a form of protection though it's on a, the part of the community. It's a form of short-term protection. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, short-term, but possibly, potentially long-term, uh, if the community as a whole, the local council, etc., uh, take the view that it is of uh, you know, cultural or community significance, yeah. Well, if, we, if, the, mm. if the application is successful, then mm. there is no doubt that it is yeah. a, a, a focus and important you know, um, at part of the community. Yeah. That, that will have been established. Um, the way, of course, that you know the community can really protect the ground is that let's say this happens. Let's say the owners, whoever they might be at the time, within that five-day, five-year period, choose to sell the ground, and the community has the opportunity to buy it. The community successfully buys it. Then, forever and a day, we have got that football ground protected 
so that you know the the business of Blackburn Rovers can always go on in that football ground if mm -hmm. that is that mm -hmm. is what is wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the community can develop it. Yeah. And I don't mean develop in the sense of building. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean develop it in the sense of centre. how is it yeah. used. Yeah. You know, yeah. because we're talking about. Um, you know, we're sort of talking about social well-being here, and and how mm. does the um, mm. the presence of the football club and the presence of the football ground promote social well-being? This is this is one of the real key things to it. Um, and the social well-being and the social interests uh, are enshrined within the act, and they're important aspects of this whole thing. Uh, so, the key ones are um, you know cultural interests. Mm recreational interests and sporting interests really? um, well actually when you start to think about it uh, football grounds provide yeah. all of that yes absolutely one way or another and one of the things we've had to prove is that Ewood Park uh, fosters the social well-being of the uh, of the community by providing for and helping with the cultural recreational and sporting interests of the local population right and if the community owned that ground, mm. then, you know, if there are enough people with vision, there is so much that could be done mm. um, yeah. to to develop and, and enhance every aspect of that. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, bring the football club to the community. Yeah. 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 So this is this is the sort of thing it's about. I hope I'm making sense. Mm. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's really very difficult to get the whole concept across. Yeah. So what happens if uh, the owners want to relocate? say they want to go out of town, uh, whether that's the current owners or future owners. How does that sit? I don't think that, I don't think that would have, I don't think the asset of community value has any relevance there at all. Mm -hmm. If the current owners said, okay, uh, not the current owners, I'm sorry, scratch that. If an owner said, we want to build a new stadium um, just on the edge of the M65, uh, you know, um, near the services, just to pick an example, you know, mm -hmm. say they could do that. Uh, there's absolutely nothing to stop them building a new stadium there, and absolutely nothing to stop them choosing for the club for Rovers to play their football matches there. But what it would mean is that if they needed the mm -hmm. funds from selling Ewood for a hotel or whatever, um, a leisure complex, not only they, they would have to allow. The trust the opportunity to buy Ewood Park mm -hmm. in the same way as they would have to allow anybody else. Right. So it wouldn't stop them from moving right. the, the, the club, but what it might stop them doing is realising the amount of money that they wanted to yeah. out of Ewood Park, yeah. which might then influence them as to whether or not they really wanted to yeah. move uh, you know, the club away from Ewood. Yeah. And I suspect that most fans would rather not see us playing in a uh, anywhere other than Ewood Park. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned just then uh, it's an owner rather than current owners. You're just correcting yourself to mean that it's a general statement rather it's than It's a general just statement. Now, nothing, yeah. or, you know, when I speak about owners, yeah. I am, we all know that Venkis are the current owners of Blackburn Rovers, and Blackburn Rovers is the owner of Ewood Park. But I'm not talking about Venkis. This is... Mm -hmm purely about yeah. an owner yeah. or the owners you know it, it's a general phrase yeah. 
Uh, it, it, it's nothing to do with you know who the current uh, owners are. Yeah. Now, that brings us to query why it was felt necessary to undertake this application. I mean, there have been uh, um, suggestions uh, that uh, uh, Brockhall was under threat, uh, that Ewood was under threat. Um, now, precisely what covenants were placed on uh, the various lands uh, from uh, the time of Jack Walker and the Walker Trust. Um, that was always much debated and it's still unclear as to what the situation is uh, under the current owners of Enkis. Now, is there a situation whereby people are concerned that the uh, the current owners may, in the event that they're losing money hand over fist, that they may want to recoup those losses by selling the ground. What is what is the rationale for putting in this this application? Um, I don't know the answer to any of the questions sort of that you realize you raise there regarding you know covenants and this that and the other. No, none of us do really doing. I don't know any of the answers to that. Um, the, the point behind this is that. Um, it recognises what this does is it recognises that the ground is is absolutely crucial to mm. the club's ability to develop to deliver all the benefits that we talked about in terms of cultural and sporting and recreational yeah. benefits and yeah. interest and so on. Without the ground, mm. the club can't deliver that. Mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's why it's so important to protect the ground. Yeah. Okay, if we want to take a, a theoretical scenario that the owners feel they're losing so much money that the only way they can you know recoup it is to sell the ground and turn it into a supermarket airport railway station whatever i don't know i think most people in blackburn would consider that something of a disaster well at least we would have a chance okay to to be a comparable bidder yeah. at least we'd have a chance to yeah. go out and raise some money find some people with a lot of cash mm. and you know and, and and make a bid. Yeah. Um, we can't stop any of those things mm. happening, but we can be given a chance. Mm. And as I mentioned about, you know, planners maybe taking a view about change of use and so on. Um, you know, it gives us a better chance than we've got today. Yeah, yeah. So if we're successful, we have a better chance than we have today, mm. as it stands here and now. If somebody wanted to sell the football ground. I presume they could. Hmm. I don't know they could, but hmm. I presume they could. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it just gives us a better chance. So that's what we're talking about, is, is trying to create the opportunity. Hmm. Um, and that's really what the Rovers Trust is all about. Hmm. You know, we're trying to create the opportunity hmm. for supporters to um, have a, a louder voice, have a greater voice, um, and hopefully even one day you know, a, a share in the ownership of the club and a, and a hmm. seat on the board. Uh, so we're there, we're about creating an opportunity mm. and, and this attempt to get an, a listing as an asset of community value is um, it, it, it's just taking another opportunity mm -hmm. um, that, that's available to us. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but I mean, Anfield has recently been registered as an asset, asset of community value. Yeah. Um, and uh, There are a number of others. Are there? there are some others. Yeah. Uh, the... Um, 
is it the Kazam Oxford United? It's the Kazam Stadium, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. That's recently been registered. There are a couple of others as well. So there's about, I think there's about three or four at the moment that have, that have been successful. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Old Trafford, for example, you know, uh, the Manchester United Supporters Trust, um, they're also attempting to get a, 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 a listing as well. So, you know, you can see there's other football clubs um, where there is also maybe a bit of a concern or, mm. or has been a historical concern about yeah. ownership where supporters' organisations are, are taking the same view that maybe they just want to create the opportunity, create the um, environment whereby they have an opportunity to try and deliver the stadium into the hands of the community mm. should the worst happen. Yeah. Because I'm not suggesting for a moment that mm. any of this sort of thing is going to happen. It's about being ready yeah. Yeah. and having an opportunity if yeah. if, if the worst happens. Yeah. And I really got to be very, very clear about that. Mm. I do not have, and nobody in the Rovers Trust has any indication that there is any slight, not even the slightest suggestion that you know that the ground might be up for sale. Um, I, I really do not want to start any sort of rumour like that. So I, I've got to be absolutely clear about it. Yeah. And I'm not just going to keep emphasising it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's good that uh, this is part of a, a much wider um, and on the part of uh, supporters, uh, supporters trusts, uh, supporters groups around the country uh, looking to safeguard uh, the, the interests of the community um, mm. of their supporter base uh, it's not just Blackman Rovers fans is it, it's much wider than that and I think it reflects concerns uh, among uh, um, the, you know the wider footballing community um, that you know where perhaps we don't ha have that contact anymore uh, yeah. with with the game um, and, and you know with their roots and I, I guess that uh, maybe 10, 20 years ago, with most of the ownership of football clubs in, in domestic hands, um, people were not awfully concerned. In the last 10 years in particular, there's been so much money coming in from overseas. Much of it good, of yep. course, mm -hmm. but some of it perhaps not so good. And some of the experiences of, of um, places like Portsmouth and Coventry for example, um, some of those experiences are such that people are generally uh, worried, uh, and rightly so, uh, about their community uh, being taken away from them uh, without them having any say in in the process whatsoever. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think that's very true, and I think you know that's a that's a common feeling amongst a lot of football fans. Mm. Um, and uh, just because things look a little bit better at the moment after a few good results, you know, doesn't mean to say that all the problems that the club faces have, have disappeared. You know, just you know, nine goals at Ewood in the last week have been, you know, pretty well not a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? But you know, nine goals in two home games, everybody's smiling, everybody's happy. That doesn't mean that all the problems have gone away by any stretch of the imagination. It just means we've had two really nice, good wins, and, and I, I sat there smiling for. 90 minutes, two weeks in a row, I couldn't quite believe it. Um, but yeah, the, you know, I mean, the thing that's really important is that for so many football clubs, the, 
the club is no longer owned by the supporters in the way it used to be. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, the the gap has grown every year for the last, in my opinion, 20 odd years now, you know. And I know I'm somebody who bangs on about, you know, television and mm. money and what have you in the game and, and, and spoiling it to my view. But it does seem that the more money that comes into the game, mm. the more distant the club is, you know, from the uh, from 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 the everyday supporter, you know. And I don't want to, you know, sort of reminisce about the times when the players would catch the bus down to Ewood, because mm. fortunately I'm not old enough to remember that. Yeah, yeah. But I think both you and I come from generation where we were able to feel um, a real bond with the players on the pitch you know I mean you really thought they were doing something mm. maybe they weren't doing it for you but it felt like they were doing it mm. for you oh, yeah. and, and I don't think we have that same thing anymore um, and so this this whole thing behind the Rovers Trust into trying to get a greater say for the fan for trying to you know maybe one day get ownership of the club perhaps get the club listed, the ground listed as an asset of the community value. These are all things about trying to bring the, the whole thing closer to the community, put it back to where it, it used to be, you know, when, I don't want Ewood to be a mud park again, but, you know, when we used to go down there and we'd see Simon Garner or Barker or Faz or whoever, you know, ploughing up there and slamming into them with a tackle and you're thinking, yes, you know, I would have done that as well. I don't get that anymore. Mm. Uh, and I would like, if I, I hope that one day I will, by the virtue of the fact that the club will be brought back mm -hmm. closer to to us as individuals and and, yeah. and, and as, to us as a group of supporters. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not rambling too much, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how, how much of that is... Uh, um, uh, nostalgic to the point of unrealistic... Uh, in in terms of seeing how uh, the the players identify with the club, uh, and I, I don't know whether it's ever possible to have that that level of uh, commitment uh, in, in terms of uh, you know an emotional commitment to a community rather than more to, to Peniston did have. Yeah, and he's yeah. a young man. He's only how old is yeah. he? Thirty-two, thirty-three, something like that. Thirty-one. Yeah, thirty-two. But he's a young yeah. man. You know, yeah. he's with us for nearly ten years. Yeah. yeah. I, I was very disappointed when I realised mm. when he came on the pitch when I realised what was happening because I didn't yeah. I didn't know actually that there was a, you know a potential deal on to take him to Turkey or wherever mm. he's gone. Yeah. Um, and when he came on, I realised you know that, yeah. that, that, that yeah. this was the goodbye. Oh yes, and I wasn't okay. prepared for the fact that that was going to happen at all. Mm. Well, I felt very, very disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know he has his critics, but I felt that you know, there's a, a young man who's played for the club, given his all for the club, and that's and I've always been a strong supporter of his because I recognise that was that was what he did. Yeah, yeah. his form may not always have been as great as it yeah. could have been. Yeah, um, but I felt there was a connection. And that's what I want is a connection with the players. Right. So that's really yeah. what I'm talking about right. is, a, okay. is a connection, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, we, we the, part of the problem is that, you know, the players just come and go, don't they? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I mean, when Dunny retires, mm. you know, that's going to be a, 
a wrench, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a connection there again. Sure. So that's really what I'm talking about, is the connection between the club, mm -hmm. the players, the club and the community, not rather just 11 guys running around in blue and white shirts. Yeah, yeah with red shirts or whatever, you know, it happens to be whoever's, who's ever club you're, you're supporting. Yeah. Is, is that less fanciful? The, yeah, that, that's a bit more concrete, I think. Yeah. A bit more concrete. That's great. Good. Um, just round off by uh, getting you to explain uh, about the uh, supporters director very, very briefly. Uh, I realise that uh, Simon Barnes, the, the, the trust secretary, is looking after that side of things. Uh, but uh, the the examples of the the um, the various uh, trusts that you've dealt with, um, how much did that help you? How much did the supporters direct help you in in uh, in your special project of uh, setting up the, the registration of the uh, asset of community value? Um, well, considerably. Uh... We had help from two areas. One was Supporters Direct. The other was from um, the uh, our uh, well, our local localism officer. <laughs> um, okay. There is an organisation called Locality and Locality, okay. which everybody can Google. Don't ask me to explain. Just Google it. Right. And every area has a localism officer who is very familiar with the localism act and so on. And so he was able to help me quite significantly. Um, and Supporters Direct were able to do to um, guide us in the right direction as to what aspects it is of the football ground and the involvement of football in the community mm -hmm. that would help us in in getting the you know, getting a successful nomination. I mean, this all came about because I happened to read one Saturday morning in the newspaper that uh, Anfield and Old Trafford were being put forward to oh, be nominated. I see. I see. And I literally read it and I thought, got to do that. I mean, it was, you know, like somebody switched on a light. Really? Uh, I just thought, yeah, that that is what Rovers Trust is all about. We, we have to do this. So I, you know, spent a couple of hours over a weekend researching a little bit, reading a bit about it on the Sports Direct website, sent a brief through to everybody else on, you know, in the Rovers Trust saying, this is what I've read about. I think this is something we should be doing. Everybody said, yes, okay, you know, go ahead, get on with it, Paul. Um, so uh, my first port of call was Supporters Direct. Um, they gave me one or two suggestions, including contacting, uh, you know, locality. Um, Supporters Direct, if, you look, if anybody cares to look on their website, you'll find that they have actually a, sort of a step-by-step -step guide which they okay. publish as a document, um, which you, anybody can download and, and have a look at, um, and have all of the, the the technicalities, if you like, of a government act explained to you, uh, and the key points pulled out, and those key points explained to you in you know plain English, so that you know what it is it's talking about, and therefore you can, you know, write your nomination in in the appropriate way. Um, they also, uh, let me see, I think, did they? Yes, they also did some proofreading of it for us as well, just to you know, oh, make sure okay. that it all made sense and right. that we hadn't put points in in the wrong place and need to move right. this around and, and so on. You know, the sort of practical help that you would expect mm -hmm. alongside, you know, the, the technical help. Right. Right. Um, so, but, but I mean, it has largely been our own work, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were there to provide us with support. Mm -hmm. 
um, they provided similar support to you know to other clubs, and because other clubs were at different stages, uh, you know they were able to feed mm. back to us. Well, we can't tell you who, yeah, but okay. we know there's another football club that is looking at it from this direction. Perhaps you might like to consider okay. that. You know, right. um, yeah. Um, and so, so you never dealt directly with another uh, supporters group, uh, another trust. It was always with supporters. Always direct. with supporters direct. I yeah. see. Yeah. Um, I have had uh, a couple of um, I have had a couple of uh, supporters trust contact me to ask about our experience of making a, a submission to uh, you mm. know for, for an ACV, um, but I didn't contact anybody directly myself. Right. Uh, not about that topic anyway. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, because it's um, it was something that really I felt we needed to to do quietly. Mm. Um, I didn't want to make a noise about it until we'd actually made the nomination. Um, in some respects, I didn't actually want to say anything about it mm. until we knew whether we were successful or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, it's out there. The information is mm. out there in the public domain. Right. Um, we were we, we the Rovers Trust didn't actually publicise this. Um, it first came out into the public domain because a sharp-eyed reporter saw it on a council agenda and contacted us and said, "You know, what's this all about?" Yeah. <laughs> and consequently, a piece mm. appeared in the Lancashire Telegraph. I yeah, suppose about yeah. six or seven weeks ago that yeah, would be yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but we didn't initially, you know. Put it out there, right? Yeah. Um, not that we, we had no problem with it being out in the public domain, but we yeah. felt it was. Mm. This is a, a, a you know a legal piece of business, mm. and we thought, well, yeah. let's just get along with it in a quiet manner and so on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, like I say, it's all out yeah. there now, and um, you know we're pleased to have done it. Learned a great deal about it. Uh, we sincerely hope that it's successful. I don't know whether it will be successful or not. Mm. All I know is that. All of those that have been submitted so far have been yeah. successful. Yeah. So, I, you know, um, hopefully it's the same applied to you. The answer will come in mid-October. Mid-October. Yeah. Um, I think it will be on or around the 14th October. Um, the, once the, There is a deadline <laughs> the, the local authority has to follow, and that is eight weeks from the time of the submission. Well, we made our submission on the 3rd of June, I think it was. Um, so why is it not to the middle of October? Well, the, the point is we made a submission. The local authority comes back with some requests for clarification. Yeah. Um, then came back with a request for some maps. That was hard work, finding the right scale of maps. Mm. You wouldn't believe how difficult that was um, because you have to very clearly define sure. know, the boundaries of yeah, the, yeah. the property that you're interested in. Um, and then once we we finally got all of the information together and in place, I think, for them on the 19th of August. Mm -hmm. So in terms of meeting the eight-week deadline, it counts from the 19th of August right. forward, which takes us to roughly 14th, yeah. 15th of October, something right. like that. Right. Very good. So there we are. So fingers crossed, everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, good luck with that. Uh, it's a f phenomenal amount of work to set everything up, uh, to push it all through. And... Uh, yeah, I, th I I hope that everyone has understood the uh, the rationale, the reasoning behind uh, mm. the application, and also appreciates 
the the good work and the hard work that uh, you and uh, your, your fellow uh, members at uh, Rovers Trust have been putting in. Mm, okay, well, thank you. Um, if I haven't managed to make things clear, and I hope I have, but if I haven't, perhaps people might like to ask questions about it. You know, on the BRFCS message board, there is. Without, I'm not trying to push the Rovers Trust, but there is a thread there called Rovers Trust. People want more information, then you know, please you know, ask some questions on there, and I'll be happy to answer them as best I can. Um, we have got a large document that we've prepared and submitted to the local authority on mm. this, which gives a lot more explanation. Mm. But we think, as a matter of courtesy to everybody involved, yeah. that we shouldn't publicise that document right. until the whole thing is finished. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I hope that you know we will be able to publicise it in a few weeks' time when, when you know, we're either successful or not, and then people um, will be able to get a view of the arguments that we put forward yeah. um, in, you know, in our efforts to to get the ACV. Yeah. Um, and 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 that document does explain it all very well, probably mm -hmm. far better than I've managed to do in the last half mm -hmm. hour or so. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. So. Yeah, very Thanks. good. Well, thank you very much for coming on today and uh, for enlightening us all as to what an ACV is and <laughs> how it all works. And, uh, yeah, uh, keep up the good work with the Trust. Thank you. And uh, thank you ever so much. Okay, thank you very much, Wen. Lovely to speak to you again. That's good. Well, thank you very much uh, for listening in, everyone, and wherever you are in the world, do take good care. Thank you for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.